Hello, welcome to the third episode of Yoga for Latter-day Saints. I'm glad you're back. Uh, last time we discussed the first four sutras of Patanjali, as well as using visualization in your practice. This time we're going to start the next six sutras. I was originally going to do this all in one shot, but decided to break it up into two episodes because I think this is such an important part of really making a change in your life. So we're going to talk about thinking patterns and how the teachings in these sutras and from the gospel can help us to become better disciples of Jesus Christ and improve physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. So the fifth Yoga Sutra is a foundational text in yoga philosophy, introducing one of the key principles of the practice. It reads, the activities of the mind are the root cause of suffering and can be eliminated through yoga practice. According to Patanjali, the mind is made up of thought patterns that arise and pass away constantly. These thought patterns are the root cause of our suffering because they create attachments and aversions and prevent us from seeing things as they truly are. Sometimes we become so identified with our thoughts and emotions that we forget who we truly are, spiritual beings having a mortal experience. This is a common occurrence for many of us. The sixth sutra is important because it introduces the five types of thought patterns that potentially identifies as the main categories of mental activity. By understanding the different types of thought patterns, we can begin to recognize them in our own minds and then work to reduce their influence over us. So the next five sutras, numbers seven through 11, build upon this concept by categorizing the different types of thought patterns that arise in the mind and offering techniques for working with them. By recognizing and understanding the nature of our own thoughts, we can learn to still our mind and reduce the number of improper thought patterns that arise. This leads to greater clarity and understanding and ultimately to liberation from suffering. The practice of yoga and meditation provides us with tools to calm and focus the mind, allowing us to become more mindful and aware of our thoughts. So the five types of thought patterns are, number one, correct knowledge. So this refers to factual information that's true. And then number two, misconception or incorrect knowledge that arises from a misunderstanding or misinterpretation of reality. Number three is imagination or fantasy, which involves creating mental images or scenarios that do not correspond to reality. Number four, sleep or unconsciousness, which is a state of mind in which there's no mental activity. And number five, memory or the ability to recall past experiences or knowledge. I'm going to go a little out of order here. I'm going to start with the last four, the thought patterns that can cause incorrect thinking, because then we'll have an easier time discussing the correct thinking. Before I do, I want to start with the scripture that's found in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So the scripture teaches us something very important that you may have missed before. I know I did. After reading it, your first thought might be, well, God's thoughts are so much more pure, and I'm not at that point. But it's not just that. We are physically incapable of thinking at his level. In the same way that we're limited by our physical bodies and can't do the physical things that a God could do, our brains are also physically incapable of processing information like a god can. So think of it in the same way of, that a, a phone's processor can't compute information like a supercomputer. So cut yourself some slack and remember self-compassion. 
let's talk about how our brain works. It might just be the nerd in me, but I really love this stuff. I mentioned the, the Bayesian brain theory. It was named for Reverend Thomas Bayes, B-A-Y-E-S, who was an 18th century English statistician and Presbyterian minister. So the Bayesian brain theory is a, it's a relatively recent theory in the field of neuroscience, and it's gained widespread attention in the last few decades. It's based on the concept of Bayesian inference, a statistical technique for updating beliefs and probabilities based on new evidence. The theory proposes that the brain acts as a machine that constantly makes predictions about the world and updates these predictions based on incoming sensory information. So this process uses a combination of top-down and bottom-up processing, where prior knowledge and expectations shape perception, and incoming sensory information shapes perception. For example, bottom-up processing starts with sensory information and moves up to higher-level processing while top-down processing starts with higher-level processing and moves down to lower-level processing. Like when you see a red apple, the bottom-up processing starts with the sensory input from your eyes, detecting the color red, the shape of the apple, the texture of the skin, and it takes the sensory input and it's processed by the brain and it recognizes that that object is an apple. Top-down processing would be something like you see a fruit stand and your brain then takes its knowledge of what types of fruits are usually sold at a fruit stand, and it predicts what you're likely to see. The Bayesian brain theory helps to explain how we learn from experience and make decisions in complex and uncertain environments. By constantly updating our predictions based on incoming sensory information, we're able to adjust our behavior and make better decisions. For example, Imagine you're walking through a forest and you see a large animal in the distance. Your brain will use its prior knowledge and expectations to make a prediction about what the animal might be. Based on your past experiences and knowledge of the environment, you might predict that the animal is a deer. However, as you get closer, your sensory input might contradict your initial prediction. Perhaps the animal is actually a moose or a bear. Your brain will then update its prediction based on this new information and you'll perceive the animal as a moose or a bear rather than a deer. Another example of the Bayesian brain in action can be seen in language processing. When we hear a sentence, our brain uses its prior knowledge of grammar and syntax to make a prediction about what the next word or phrase is likely to be. For example, you hear the sentence, the cat chased the blank. Your brain might predict that the next word is mouse based on your knowledge of common English sentence structures. However, if I said, the cat chased the hippo, you might feel slightly confused since a hippo was nowhere near your brain's prediction, but your brain will update its prediction based on this new information and you'd be less surprised if you heard it again. So by making predictions about the world based on prior experiences and current sensory information, the brain's able to conserve resources by making efficient and accurate predictions without needing to process every detail in the environment. When the brain encounters a new situation, it initially relies more heavily on bottom-up processing, which involves gathering and processing a lot of new sensory information. However, as the brain accumulates more experience with the situation, it begins to rely more on top-down processing, which involves using prior knowledge and expectations to guide perception and interpretation of sensory information. So for example, you're 
driving a familiar route to work every day. Initially, when you first learn the route, you may have needed to pay close attention to street signs, landmarks, and turns, relying more heavily on bottom-up processing, gathering all that sensory information. And that requires a lot of brain work. So you are, I mean, so time feels like it's going very slowly because you're taking in all of this information. But after many repetitions of the same route, you may find that you can drive the route without consciously thinking about the directions, relying more on the top-down processing based on your prior knowledge and expectations. This allows your brain to conserve resources by not having to process every detail of the environment and it frees up resources for other tasks, or you just end up zoning out and wondering how you're almost home. An important note about the Bayesian brain model is that emotionally charged memories can have a significant Im impact on the prediction process. So research has shown that emotional events can enhance memory consolidation, making these memories more vivid and longer lasting than neutral memories. When we encounter emotionally charged events, our brain's emotional processing centers, such as the amygdala, become activated, and this can lead to a stronger encoding of the memory. This can result in emotional memories being more easily retrieved and incorporated into future predictions and expectations. So, for example, if someone had a traumatic experience involving a dog attack, they may develop a fear of dogs. The next time they encounter a dog, their prior emotional experience will influence their prediction of the dog's behavior. Their brain may predict that the dog is dangerous even if the dog is actually friendly and poses no threat. The prediction is based on the emotional memory that's been encoded in their brain and integrated into their internal model of the world. So it's more heavily weighted toward the strong emotional event rather than the maybe hundreds of neutral events that came previously. Similarly, positive emotional experiences can also impact our predictions and expectations. For example, if someone has had a positive experience with a particular type of food, they may have a positive prediction of that food in the future. And this positive prediction may influence their behavior and decision-making, leading them to choose that food more frequently in the future. So these memories can influence our expectations and predictions and shape our perceptions and behavior in the present and future. One more interesting note, this probabilistic approach can help explain how a person can react to a stimulus without even consciously noticing it. For example, if a person's walking down a dark alley and they hear a rustling sound, even if they don't consciously perceive the sound, their brain may generate a, a probabilistic representation of the possible causes of the sound, such as a nearby animal or a gust of wind. And then the brain may generate a corresponding response, such as increased heart rate or heightened alertness based on the likelihood of each possible cause. In this way, the brain tries to make sense of sensory input and generates what it decides are appropriate responses, even when that input is ambiguous or incomplete. So the Bayesian brain theory is a way of understanding how our brains work to process information and make predictions about the world. Our brains use both top-down and bottom-up processes to update our understanding of the world around us, helping us to learn and make decisions. Our emotions can also affect how we perceive the world and how we react to things in the future. 
we don't even need to consciously notice something for our brain to still generate a response based on its past experiences. With that knowledge, we'll see how this applies to the next sutras. Okay, so the eighth sutra states that wrong knowledge is based on an illusion and not on the true nature of the object. So this sutra emphasizes the importance of discernment and accurate perception in the pursuit of yoga. So this misconception or this misunderstanding or misinterpretation of reality can easily deceive us, leading us down the wrong path and preventing us from achieving our spiritual goals. To overcome this, it's important to cultivate a clear and accurate perception of reality, free from biases and prejudices. Practicing yoga can help us develop a deeper awareness of our own thoughts and emotions and the world around us. Let's use an example of the fear of flying and how this sutra fits in with the Bayesian brain theory. Suppose someone has a fear of flying due to a previous bad experience or negative news stories. If they approach the situation with a biased and inaccurate perception of the reality of air travel, they may become excessively anxious or avoid flying altogether, preventing them from reaching their desired destination. However, by developing a clear and accurate perception of the safety and mechanics of air travel and challenging their prior beliefs and biases, they may be able to overcome their fear and comfortably travel by air. This process involves utilizing the Bayesian approach of updating one's beliefs and perceptions based on new experiences and information. The ninth Yoga Sutra from Patanjali's Yoga Sutras states that a mental image or a concept is only valid if it corresponds to a real object or word. For example, someone with social anxiety may have a mental image of themselves being humiliated or rejected in a social situation. However, this mental image is not based on any real experience or objective fact. Instead, it's a product of their own fears and insecurities. So according to Patanjali, this mental image is devoid of substance and therefore meaningless. According to the Bayesian brain theory, their brain has generated a prediction based on their fears and insecurities. By recognizing the limitations of their mental constructs, individuals with social anxiety can begin to cultivate a more accurate perception of reality. They can learn to align their perceptions with the external world. Moreover, the role of language in shaping our perceptions and understanding of the world is also highlighted. Negative self-talk and internal dialogue can reinforce fears and insecurities leading to inaccurate mental constructs. By paying attention to their thoughts and the language they use, individuals can begin to shape their mental constructs and develop more positive and accurate view of themselves and their social interactions. I know that was a lot of information. So the TLDR of the day is your thinking is influenced by your experiences and your own mental imagery. So starting today, now that you recognize that, you're going to change the way you think so that your thoughts are more correct. Since I was so long-winded, I want to challenge you to do a mindfulness session on your own. There's lots of helpful apps and videos out there that can provide inspiration, or you can just take some time to clear your mind and enjoy some stillness. But remember, this process, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Be kind to yourself as you begin to think about the changes that you want to make in your life to heal away some of those improper thinking patterns that may have been decades in the making. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to get in touch through the Yoga for LDS Facebook page or email at yoga4lds at gmail.com. 